Well, today, it's good to, good to be here with you. I'm excited to worship with you today. Um, who remembers last year? Anyone remember 2020? A few of you. Uh, last year, though, about this time, 2020 had just started. We had no idea what was on the horizon. Uh, I had just started as, as lead pastor. I had this, this wild hair idea. I said, let's set a theme for the year 2020. I don't know. Sure, let's do it. I, and so we did. Anybody remember last year's theme? If you're on the board, if you're on staff, you're, you're, you're not allowed to answer yet. Anyone else remember? Hey, nice job, Frankie. Aiden had his hand up too. Uh, Becoming one, that's right. That was our theme for this year. Um, It it became a guiding focus for me through 2020. And as we went on, as as we went through what we went through in 2020, you know, 2020 happened in full force. How many ways did the world get divisive? (laughs) Every way. How many, how many struggles did we face? I, I, I will tell you, I was not, I was not prepared. I, 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 I was not prepared for, for what we faced. I was not prepared for what we went through. I'm not sure how we could have been prepared for what happened, right? But I will tell you, this idea, this, this place to which we were led together as a church body. This idea of becoming one helped me. It helped me as we went through this year. I think it it helped us. We're not uniform. We're not cookie cutter. We don't look the same, act the same, believe the same in all circumstances. And yet this call to become one and to be family was really important for me as, as, we, went, as we went through uh, the year 2020. Today, as we look forward to 2021, we are unveil, uh, unveiling our annual theme again. And you might have noticed a little extra color in the sanctuary today. As much as, you know, these neutrals are really good, the, the pop of blue to my left, uh, you might have noticed. But we're unveiling our annual theme for this coming year. And the theme is Becoming New, Laying the foundation of transformation. And that's going to be our guide. That's going to be our theme, at least for the next year, as we look forward into who God is calling us. And as we begin today, I want to start with a reading from from our text, which is found today at the conclusion of Paul's letter to Galatia. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn with me to Galatians 6, or maybe you have a device and you can point it in that direction, we're going to be starting with verse uh, 14. And reading through the end, verse 14 through 18 from Galatians chapter 6. As you are able and out of reverence for the reading of God's word, would you please stand as we read together. Reading from the book of Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. But as for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through him, and I have been crucified to the world. Being circumcised or not being circumcised doesn't mean anything. What matters is a new creation. May may peace and mercy be on whoever follows this rule and on God's Israel. From now on, no one should bother me because I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. 
Brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. Becoming new. This idea of transformation really is nothing new in the life of the believer. Right? I mean, transformation is, is literally the life of the believer. It's the life of the believer to be transformed. Following Christ starts, this, starts with this idea that, that we, have, we have left God. That we've walked in another direction. We've kind of gone of our own way, done our own thing. It's, it's normal. It's natural. Uh, the, the theological term is, is original sin. That, that when we start our lives, we start with this, this inherited sense of being separated from God. That, that we must initiate, we must accept the invitation to return to God. Our transformation begins when we choose to follow Jesus. We say, I want to I walk in Jesus' way. I want to head in that direction. Do you remember? Do you remember that moment? Do you remember that moment when you made the choice? For some of us, it was a while ago, not just last week, right? When we chose, we said, I want to choose to follow Christ. Others of you maybe don't even remember that choice. Maybe it was so long ago. Maybe you were so young this isn't just a memory thing, <laughs> like a forgetfulness thing. But, but you've always walked with the Lord and, and had the gift of a family that, that led you in that direction, which is a great testimony, a fantastic testimony. And, and then we enter this phase of growing. So you've made the choice to follow Jesus, but the beautiful thing about following Jesus is it's not over. God's not done with you yet. There, there's room to grow. There's, there's, there's transformation to be had. And it continues. This is discipleship. This is, the, this is the work of discipleship in the life of the believer. And so we get involved. We, we, we get involved with what it means to be on this journey of discipleship or growing with God. Bible studies. We ask questions. We take classes. We dive into scripture this is why we have life groups that, that meet. This is why uh, the Sunday school class that meets across the street on Sunday mornings, that's why they get together. This is why we have Wednesday night opportunities. This is why the youth group gets together and does youth group things. And we don't ask about what that is, right? Uh, they, it's why they, why they grow. It's why we have children's ministries upstairs. I hope you love coming together for worship on Sunday. But the call to be transformed maybe goes a little bit deeper. Maybe requires a little more. I hope you love Sundays, but there's more. And that's constant. That's constant in the life of the believer. Transformation is a constant for all who would follow Christ. The Nazarene church is one that, that talks about holiness, and living a holy life. We have this, this call on our lives to progress in holiness. To, to continually grow. One of, one of the things we talk about in the Nazarene church is this idea of entire sanctification. 
This moment in time where, where the sinful nature is, is somehow defeated through the work of God in our lives. And yet, the word entire is so misleading. We're not done. We don't, we don't say, well, I've arrived. I'm here. I made it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm done growing. That's not how it works. There's this point where the Holy Spirit can break in and, and, and help us on this transformation journey and set us free from the sinful nature. Be consecrated for God's purpose and set us apart. But there's the danger there. We think, well, we made it. God, God's done his work. No. No, we don't stop. But the transformation continues. I have, a, I have a preacher I like to listen to who often ends his sermon with this, this line, his Nazarene guy he says, around here, we just call that living the sanctified life. The, the, the sanctified life is about continually growing and continuing the journey that we have, this journey of transformation. Even Paul, okay, even Paul, you know the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament, very godly man, transformed life. He wrote in Philippians, I have not yet arrived. I have not been made perfect, but I pursue it. I go after it. I seek it with all that I am to grab hold of it as Christ has grabbed hold of me. That's Paul's commitment. That's how passionate Paul is about transformation. Here he is instructing his churches, writing what letters that would eventually become our Bible. And he says, I'm not there yet. I have room to grow. God still has more for me. The reality is God is wanting to do something in, life, in, in us. That, that, that our life might be a foundation for making a difference in this world. For changing this world. For serving our neighbor. For building up the brokenhearted, For participating in the work that God wishes to do today. In Mountain Home, in your neighborhood, with your friends, God is inviting us to build that foundation where he might do that work through us. And how does he build that foundation in us? Through transformation. By changing us. By shaping us. By forming us into his image. That was, that was way too long of an introduction for our text. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. But I'm really excited about this theme and to be guided by it this year. Uh, and, and I hope that it can become a, kind of a focus for us all. And part of, part of the reason why there weren't every hand didn't go up about becoming one is we didn't have any visuals. So this year we're going to have some, some reminders. And I hope every day, when every Sunday or any day you walk into this, this room, you're invited onto that, into, again, to that journey of allowing God to, to help you become a new creation in Christ. I just want that to simmer for about 12 months in your life and see, see what God has for you. Um, 
Over the next couple of weeks, I've asked um, Val and Debbie to share uh, their thoughts on this this theme, and so you're going to hear from them as uh, they've had a, a little bit more warning than you have of what's coming, and I'm excited to see what God has, uh, what God has spoken to them about this journey of transformation that we're going to be com- going on over the next next year. But as we turn to Galatians, we find Paul here wrapping, wrapping up this letter. This whole closing section uh, was likely written in his handwriting. So back in the days when, when they chose to write a letter, a lot of times uh, it was dictated to somebody who, who would write the letter down. Um, but as you read, and it's uh, in verse 11 here of, of Galatians 6, he says, look, this, now, this section's in my own handwriting. I'm writing this to you. Um, and we, we can kind of see Paul wanting to close out this letter with this strong point, with this emphasis of saying, this is, this is important for the church in Galatia. And Galatia was, was, an, was an area. Uh, it, was, it was a region, and so likely this was, this was uh, to, to several churches um, in, in the area of Galatia. But, but Paul opens here and, and talks about all the ways that people can get off and get distracted from the true point. And, and really, as we take a look at this section of the letter, it would be more helpful, be more beneficial for us to look into to all of Galatians. I, I was reading a commentary this week by... Um, by George Lyons, actually. <laughs> Dr. Lyons was my professor when I was in NNU, like my, my sons would say forever ago. It was actually only 20 years ago. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> Dr. Lyons scared me to death <laughs> as an undergraduate student. Um, just his, his level of, of scholarship and, and what he knew. Val's nodding her head like, yeah. Um, I went back for my master's degree in 2010. He was still there. He was still terrifying. <laughs> um, he literally wrote his doctoral dissertation on Galatians. And so he, he's also since then written, written this commentary. I, I don't have time to do the letter justice in, in the time that we have this morning. But basically in the letter of Galatians, there's, there's three groups of, or three people, groups at play. Okay, the first is Paul, who's writing the letter. The second is the, those that are attending these churches in the region of Galatia. And the third are these agitators. These people who are trying to get the church off track, who are, who are pointing to the wrong things, who are uh, prioritizing that which didn't need to be prioritized. And Paul has some harsh words. If, if you take time to read through the letter, we don't have time to dive into the whole story, but they're caught up in this external show. This idea that, that um, what happens on the outside was really important. Look what I have done. I've done this. I've done that. See what I've accomplished. And Paul's, Paul's just kind of kind of done with it. In, in the section that, that we read, it talks about circumcision, and, and uh, that's, that's not the only point, but it, it's a good marker of, of how these agitators had been caught up in, in external practices, improving by ex, external things, that which meant that they were true followers of Jesus Christ. Luckily, today, we don't get caught up in that, ever. (laughs) We wouldn't get caught up in external measures to verify or to prove our commitment or loyalty to Christ. 
that's a little bit of sarcasm there. Um, we wouldn't use how we act or how we avoid this or that or how we do this or that or how we support this or that to show our Christianity. That would never happen in our world today. We could never get caught up in things that are external to try to show what God is doing internally. Could we? Still a little sarcasm there. What does Paul say? What does Paul, Paul says some really critical things as he closes out this letter, as he signs off, he says these huge, important truths. First, I am crucified to the world and the world crucified to me. This is not a literal crucifixion. <laughs> I love lions here. He says crucifixion, uh, he's dead, man's, dead men don't write letters. <laughs> but he said crucifixion here refers to a definitive end to a meaningful relationship. Paul no longer cared about the opinion of the world. He refused to be engrossed in them for this world in its present form is passing away. He goes on and says, he did not devalue the created order, but the people's opinions and systems that were separated from God, end quote. That's what he meant by being crucified to the world. Not that he no longer cared, not that it wasn't worth saving, not that it wasn't worth ministering to. He was writing these letters. He was going to prison. Christ had transformed his life. What did it say early in Acts? It said he was there when Stephen was stoned. Those that were throwing the rocks laid their jackets at the feet of Saul. Christ had so transformed his life. He wasn't giving up on the world, but he said, you know what? What the world thinks of me no longer matters the way it once did. No longer bears that impact that it once had. We can get so caught up. We can get so caught up in what we see and what we witness and in looking the right way in appearances. But Paul calls it, Paul calls it how it is. What matters is a new creation. What matters is a new creation. And there it is. That's our answer. That's our focus. That's what's going to matter to us this year. Because if we become transformed persons, if we allow God to do the new creation work that he wants to do inside of us, the rest will take care of itself. The rest will take care of itself. That... that there will be evidence of that in our lives that we will show. In church, that's compelling. That's good work. And it changes us. The thing about new creation is that it's new. It takes time. It takes a while to work itself out. That we, that we live into that new creation every day. So we've got a year or so. <laughs> We've got a year or so to let God change us and transform us and to do something beautiful and new and good in us. The truth is that we get to live into that new creation every day, not perfectly, but being perfected day by day.
We don't have to be perfect. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I need that grace today. I need that grace that, that this newness is not perfectly achieved because we put up a banner. That's not how it works. But I pray that that newness is being perfected in me today a little more than yesterday and tomorrow a little more than today. For we are not called to be perfect, but we are called to be new. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up as we, as we close out. What's, what's fascinating to me about this text is that Paul contrasts what has been expected by these agitators, this physical, this outward thing, to what actually matters. And he says this, I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. What are the marks of Jesus we bear upon our bodies, that we can bear on our bodies today? What are those marks? One of the things I worry about is we seem to have settled into this idea that our, our faith, this journey of following Christ, doesn't really have to cost that much. I'm not talking money here. I'm, I'm convinced that if, if, we, if we truly follow Christ, that we'll, we will begin to bear the marks of Jesus on our bodies. Paul had all this list. Have you heard the list of all the trials and tribulations that he had to go through? I've been whipped. I've been stoned. I've been shipwrecked. I've, you know, there's several places where Paul, Paul talks about that. But what does it look like for us today? I think it looks a lot like the fruit of God's spirit. The fruit that will begin to show itself and, and bear its marks on our persons. That God's spirit would become evident in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's one chapter before Galatians 5. That's what I want to be, church. That's what I want to be. That's the new creation that he calls us into as we go about this year. With Paul, those are the marks on the body, the body of Christ. That's us that make all the difference in the world today. Will you pray with me as we close? God, I pray today that you would make us new creations. We could, we could set ourselves apart for your purposes and for your work. Be consecrated for you. And that we would bear in our persons the marks of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. We could live as you would have us live. Be with us. Help us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.